Hello, and welcome to another edition of Pragmatic Live. I'm Bradley Ormsby with Pragmatic Marketing, and for this week's podcast, we are bringing you the third episode of the 30-Day Launch Plan. If you haven't heard the previous two episodes of this four-week series, be sure to follow the links in the description below. So, once again, here is Pragmatic Marketing Instructor Dave Daniels, presenting Part 3 of the 30-Day Launch Plan. Hey everybody, this is Dave Daniels with Pragmatic Marketing and welcome to the Launch Clinic Podcast. Today's topic is Product Launch 30-Day Plan. We're on week three now, third week. So what is what is this uh, this plan all about, this planning process? Well, this is this is feedback from seminar attendees uh, that have attended the uh, our launch seminar. As you could well imagine, if you're in the uh, in the responsibility zone of, of coming up with uh, or responsible for planning your product launch, lots of questions come up, situations that happen in your organization. So every time I teach a class and I, I get all kinds of new feedback about what about this, Dave, what about that? And so the uh, this series of, of uh, blog posts and podcasts are a way to kind of tie some of these loose ends together for you and provide a bit of a blueprint for your planning process. And hopefully what you'll see out of this is a, is a four-week breakdown into the essential parts. What are the things you need to be thinking about? What are the kind of questions you need to be asking well in advance of, uh, of actually the launch date? So there are as few surprises as possible and uh, the most successful product launch you've ever had. So think of this like more like a quick start guide and not an absolute way to do things. It's not a, you must do this, you have to do that. It's sort of a step back, three steps, take a couple of deep breaths and go, okay, what do I need to know before entering into, into the planning? Now we're going to step into the third week. So far we'd cover some other areas in week one, weeks one and two. And now I'd like to cover some new things in, in week three and maybe add to some things we've already talked about. First of all, I want to talk about the today's five major areas. We're going to talk about organizing your launch cross-functional team. And I'm just going to say CFT for short for cross-functional team, uh, just to make it a little easier. And, and that's just the way I've always thought about it and the way I've said it. So uh, forgive me, don't judge me if I say CFT for short. The, thing, the next thing we're going to talk about is assigning readiness plan owners. The idea here is, is last week in week two, we talked about what are some things we need to be thinking about in terms of organizing your launch CFT. Uh, but now I want to just dig down just a little bit deeper in this particular area. One other item of interest is to map how your buyers go through making a decision to purchase your product. I'm going to refer to it as the buying journey. Uh, some of you may also refer to it as the buying process. But it's, the, it, it's getting a deeper understanding and connecting the buyer personas we talked about in week two into how do they, either as individuals or groups of individuals, make a purchasing decision. What do they need? When do they need it? Once we understand that journey, then we can begin to get into our next topic, which is identifying where there are gaps in the marketing assets that we need to deliver. Now, I know that sounded like marketing mumbo-jumbo there, but basically 
what I'm trying to, to tell you is what are the pieces of information? What are the tools? What are the insights that buyers need to facilitate their purchasing decision? To help them get to that's what I want to buy as quickly, as efficiently as we possibly can. Finally, we're going to talk about what we did last week is we're probably going to learn some new things and that means we're going to have to reassess our launch goals. Maybe we're a little too aggressive. Uh, maybe we're not too aggressive enough. Maybe we're a bit passive. All right, so let's dive into it. In week two, it was all about planning the uh, launch cross-functional team, the CFT. Now we need to organize it. <clears throat> so there, think of your, your cross-functional team as having an inner circle and an outer circle. The inner circle would represent the core team. These are the folks that are absolutely critical to the success of the launch. Without them, it wouldn't happen at all. Think of things like your development team. Um, if it's got a big marketing push, certainly uh, the, the uh, promotional aspects of the marketing team, um, you probably will have to deal with legal and finance. And there are sales channels, uh, your, if you have direct sales or indirect sales channels, all uh, e-commerce, all of that core team. Now, outside of that inner circle, you'll, you'll have an outer circle. Um, they're, they're certainly critical people, and they're, they're, think of them as trusted advisors. They'll have insight and other perspective that could augment the, uh, the core team, the inner circle. But the outer circle represent the kind of uh, advisors that you need as you need them, and they're not necessarily always required at every, every CFT meeting. Also remember that from launch to launch, your inner and outer circles can vary, and they can vary significantly depending on the uh, severity and visibility of, of, of each of those launches. Your goal here in your CFT is to have the smallest possible number of people, but not too small. So it's like, okay, what's, what's not too small? And what's too big? Um, if, you, if you were to take a very large, very visible, very significant product launch uh, that you're, that you're uh, working toward, um, you may have, uh, it wouldn't be, surprise me if you had uh, 10, 15, perhaps even 20 people involved, but that wouldn't be your inner circle. Some tips and techniques I can share with you here on keeping the group as small as possible is one, limit the representation from each department, each functional area. It's not necessary to have two or three people from each group be a member of your team or attend the meetings. So keep it to one, and that one person should be someone who could represent the interest of their functional area and be capable of making decisions on behalf of the functional area or at least understand what the boundary conditions are. The way I like to think of these individuals is they're, they're ambassadors for their, their department. And they understand and know how to represent the interests of their particular area. You know, if it, if it turns out that every time they show up, they show up with a, a friend or two, you may have to have a discussion with them to say, hey, we need to pare this down a little bit. 
Um, <clears throat> that's, that's one small technique. Another one is, you know, just invite people and uh, make sure you, you follow good meeting protocol in terms of, you know, giving them an agenda, let them know you're going to talk about. And so that people are more willing to come if they know you're going to talk about things that are relevant to them. One of the big uh, gripes, one of the big criticisms uh, that I hear about cross-functional teams is that people don't show up. They don't attend the meetings regularly. Things don't get done on time. And part of this stems from, from the fact that if you're not going to talk about things that are interesting to them or impact them, then maybe don't invite them into the next meeting. Make them optional attendees. They're, they're certainly invited to come join us, uh, but we're not going to talk about anything that's directly in their wheelhouse. And if that's the case, all right. You know, what you've telegraphed to me is, hey, I respect your time and uh, you're welcome to join us, but we're not going to talk about anything that's in your area of interest. So if you don't show up, you're not going to hurt anybody's feelings. It'll be okay. And that gives people a little bit more empowerment to participate in a much more aggressive way. Another thing you want to factor in is every team needs a leader, and launch CFTs are no different. You need an individual that is the person who's going to be driving the bus. They're the individual who will drive toward completion of the launch, uh, make sure all the planning elements are put into place, make sure work is assigned to individuals on the team, and make sure ultimately that the launch goals are set up to be achieved. Now, one of the things that you're, you're going to be doing as the earliest stages of assembling your, your launch CFT is, remember in week two, we talked about this whole idea of finding where your gaps are, uh, your readiness gaps. So the very first stages of meeting with your launch team should be having those individuals who you entrust to be able to get those plans built, those readiness gap plans built, and to drive completion of them, which leads us to our next topic of the day. What we want to do is assign owners to fix the gaps that we've identified. Those owners have several very, very critical responsibilities. And by the way, these could be in your inner circle or your outer circle. Their job is to use their expertise and insight to build readiness plans to close the gaps. Each CFT member will have ownership of one or more readiness plans. So you might have an individual for marketing communications and they have the Marcom slash promotions plan. You may have an individual from training whose job it is to make sure that, that those gaps are closed. Professional services, sales readiness, e-commerce, finance, legal, sales ops. Depending on how big the launch is, it could impact a huge portion uh, of your business. So each individual has one or more readiness plans. Their job is to, to figure out how to close the gaps that have already been identified and put those plans into action. Think of all the deliverables, the activities that are on the critical path that they need to accomplish. Now, what the CFT leader's job 
to do is to coordinate those all of those plans to make sure that they're all moving forward toward the ultimate date, which is the launch date. I know many of you may already have tons of questions on uh, cross-functional teams for launch. I know I covered a little bit on week two. I, I, I dug down a little bit deeper in week three. If you have more questions in this area, and it's it's an area where you, perhaps you'd like to see uh, another podcast or maybe some blog posts on it, uh, please let me know in the comments. Be happy to address this. Um, I think uh, among our team, we have tons of experience, both good and bad in this area, and we could have uh, we could shed some light to help you out. So let's jump out of the CFT and let's look at one aspect that impacts both marketing communications readiness in terms of promotion as well as sales channel readiness and that is mapping the buying journey so do you know how buyers in your target market that you're going to be focusing on for launch do you know how they go about making a buying decision if it's an individual what steps do they take if it's a group of individuals how do they coordinate their steps in order to to agree to make a buying decision so who are the individuals why do they buy when do they decide to make a a buying decision what what actions uh, or triggers have them moving forward to say gosh i need to do something about this what information do they need in order to help them make a buying decision and where do they go when they finally decide that they're going to do something all right so this is a really really important thing uh, that all marketers should know it's the kind of marketing insight that drives a number of important decisions like what content do we produce what is the priority that content needs to be produced in what are the mediums that I need to be delivering this content in? What kind of sales tool should I be delivering? How do I convey this insight to my sales channels so that they understand what's going on? One of the things that uh, uh, many people talk about, I, I know I talk about it in, in our classes and um, I know others have, have uh, reported this information. There's a group called the Corporate Executive Board, and in 2011, they conducted a study of, of B2B, business-to-business -business buying behavior. And one of the things that came out of that was a realization that most B2B buyers are already 57%, 57% through their buying decision before they ever make meaningful contact with a vendor. Now, that's huge. It's huge for both marketers as well as for sales teams because on one side of it, that means we need to provide the content and the information that's necessary so that, first of all, these buyers, want whatever their trigger is to buy, will finally say, when they look, they'll find us and they'll say, hey, okay, you guys are on my short list of the, co of the companies or, or products I want to take a look at. The flip side of that is that sales teams have to get more accustomed to the to the notion that when someone comes through the door figuratively, that's um, going to be an individual who goes, and wait a minute, I've pretty much made my decision of what I'm looking for. I know the category of product I'm interested in, and I've narrowed it down to a couple of choices, and I just want to validate that you are indeed one of 
still going to be one of those choices. So sales teams have to be able to be much more clever at sussing out how far along in this in this self-education process buyers already are are in. One of the things that, that's very challenging here is we kind of leave it to chance. We just, you know, we go to go to the sales channel and we say, hey, sales, what is it that you need? And so they say, well, we need one of these, or we need a sales tool that looks like this, or we need a piece that talks about that. And it's really easy within, within marketing to go, okay, all right, so you know what you need, I'll get it for you. And then it seems like we're always producing the thing that they need. The blame, and some of the blame for sure, needs to be put back on marketing to actually get out into the market and understand how the buyers were trying to communicate with and to persuade to, to look at our stuff. We actually understand who they are, why they care about solving their problem, and how they go about making that buying decision. So what are the marketing assets that we need? What are the what, what are, what's the information? Uh, do do I need do I need white papers? Do I need ebooks? Uh, do I need webinars? Um, do I need to be going out on the road and doing face to face kind of activities? Do I need mass com kind of approaches or is it more targeted? What is the timing of when those marketing assets are needed? Now, in in our market uh, seminar, we talk very deeply about the buying journey and different steps and and how it, different information is needed at different steps by different personas and it sounds really complicated but it's not it's just a matter of taking a little bit of time understanding it from the buyer's point of view talking to people interacting with both internal resources certainly sales but also external resources getting out and talking to them yourself in in a very safe kind of environments where you can ask them so how does your organization make a decision to buy? How's that work? The other thing that's really, really valuable here is it helps our sales channel enablement. Uh, rather than focusing so much energy on, hey, here's the new product, let me show you how it works, let me talk to you about all of the features in the new product, which certainly reinforces some, uh, in some cases, some behavior you don't want, which is to focus on features, not problems. What this does is it helps them to understand what are the best opportunities. How can I identify them? What characteristics should I be looking for? And it also helps to optimize their sales channel efforts. One of the last things your, your leader of sales wants is for his or her sales team to be thrashing around in the market trying to figure it out one deal at a time. It's very, very, very expensive to do that. If you break down, uh, certainly from an enterprise sales point of view, if you start breaking down their, their company's cost per hour of that, uh, that full-time equivalent, that FTE, it's, it's shockingly expensive. So we want to maximize their effort to focus on the best opportunities with the least amount of effort. Right. That's exactly what we're trying to do as an organization. And a great way to start here is by mapping the buying journey to both the personas as well as the marketing assets that they need in order to make that happen. Once we get through the activity of mapping the buying journey, it'll become incredibly obvious that there are gaps. There are information gaps. 
there are going to be marketing assets that our buyers need and we don't have them and so what I want you to be thinking about is let your buyer persona provide guidance on what you need and when you need it one of the elements that we have in our buyer persona template is uh, a page that that captures information about where do they go to get information where is it that they happen to stumble upon if they're thinking about solving a problem or trying to learn how to get better at what they do and the better you understand that the better guidance you'll have toward where I need to be putting it but we also need to talk to buyers to find out what information do they need and when do they need it the best tool available to you to do that is uh, one that may be a little controversial for you I know it is for many organizations but it is an incredibly valuable tool and that is win-loss analysis so while you're trying to learn how to get better from a from a sales performance point of view and and also align your efforts with sales better uh, through win-loss one of the things you're going to be looking for is what is the information that buyers need and when do they need it why is this information important to them and then reflect on are we delivering that information and if we're not then we have a gap and with that gap we know what to fill think of it this way the goal here is to shorten the buying journey how can we get buyers through a decision to purchase our product quicker with less effort and lower cost quicker is better just think of this just do the math okay I just you don't have to do it now but do this later if you could improve the throughput of your sales team by 10% without adding any more headcount what would that mean to you in revenue by the end of the year just 10% then you can play with the numbers from there to wrap it up the last thing I want you to be thinking about again in week three is to reassess your launch goals do we learn something new that would cause us to adjust the goals to rethink them maybe our goal is still too aggressive maybe we've identified some new gaps that are just so darn big um, that they're going to be huge I mean I, I've I've run into companies that had to do things like change their accounting systems um, revamp the way that they do their legal process and some of those things are incredibly costly or from an organization standpoint some organizations will say yeah that's what we're gonna do because it's strategic to the organization others will go nope no can do so we're gonna have to figure to figure out how to work around that another is maybe it's too passive maybe we've discovered that we could crank up the launch goal and get a little bit more aggressive maybe we've been been uh, leaving a little bit too much on the table or maybe we've concluded that it's, it's right we're, we're in a sweet spot maybe it's a little aggressive but not too much so and we want to push people a little bit to, to achieve more but in the end are we are we in shot of being able to achieve the launch goals is that gonna is that even in, in the realm of possibility one last point about week three and I, I keep recurring this theme and I, and I hope you 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 begin to really gravitate to it now is the one point is maintain your focus 
you're not going to be able to do everything for everyone, particularly within your company. Not everyone is going to be happy with the decisions that are be, being made around launch. The focal point are, is the launch goal. What are we trying to accomplish and can we stay laser focused on achieving it? What I'd like for you to think about is this. Maybe we're entering a new market and maybe that new market requires us to have references or product reviews in order for other buyers to actually look at us and say, hey, this is worthwhile. So are we going to focus our launch on revenue or are we going to focus our launch on getting good reviews and good references? Because if, if references are the thing that make, make hay for us and we can generate more revenue and that will be our bottleneck, then maybe my launch goals are around getting references. And I'll, I'll focus all my firepower, all my energy on figuring out who would be the best references for my target market, what are the characteristics of the best references so that the others will follow, and then what do I need to do as an organization to move them over to be happy, referenceable customers. So pick a target, go hard. Let your launch goals be your guide. All right, thanks for joining me. I hope your launch efforts are super successful. If you have any questions whatsoever, just put them in the comments section below. And remember to visit the Launch Clinic blog at launchclinic.com. I hope to see you at an upcoming Pragmatic Marketing Seminar, um, either in any of them, foundations, market, launch, focus, build, price. We got it all. And feel free to reach out to me personally. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, David Keith Daniels. Uh, and you can also follow me on Twitter at, at, at Launch Clinic. All right. Happy launching. Well, we hope you found this information useful and you could apply it to successful launches in the future. And if you're curious about the launch training course offered by Pragmatic Marketing, you can find out more information about it in the link provided below. Thank you very much for listening and be sure to come back next week for the final episode of the 30-Day Launch Plan.